0: Okay, we'd like to welcome you to part one of our current event and weekly Bible study for April 20th, 2008. And this is part one of the expose entitled Jehovah Witnesses Exposed. And we're going to be talking extensively about this cult today. Giving you some background history and looking at their doctrines and many other things. So let's go ahead and start off here. Uh, The Jehovah Witnesses which are also known as the Watchtower Bible Society and the Tract Society, with headquarters in Brooklyn, New York, was officially founded in 1884 as the Zion's Watchtower and Tract Society, originally the Zion's Watchtower in 1879, and officially adopted the name of the Jehovah Witnesses in 1931 by Charles Taz Russell, who lived from 1852 to 1916. He was the first guy, he was the guy that essentially started the Jehovah Witnesses. In 1870, Russell was exposed to the teachings of William Miller, one of the founders of the Second Day Adventist movement. Now, a lot of times people think the Second Day Adventists are actually Christians, because they portray themselves to be very, very, very close. But understand that it's a cult, just like the Jehovah Witnesses are. In fact, the Jehovah Witnesses came out of the Second Day Adventists. And so he... Uh, Russell became exposed to the teachings of William Miller, one of the founders of the Second Day Adventist movement, and acquired an interest in the end-time prophecies. Russell originally denied the doctrine of hell, and would go on to reject nearly every other Christian doctrine as well. As well as many physically and spiritually dangerous doctrines to his own making. So what he's doing is he's subtracting and adding to the Word of God. We're going to be talking about that. Many of these unique and bizarre teachings were to be found in his six-volume series entitled, Studies in the Scriptures. Now, if you have a religion, and the foundation has been corrupted from the very get-go, the Bible says in Psalm 11, verse 3, that if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Well, they were destroyed right from the very beginning. Now, if we go to the end of the Revelation... And he's, we, we've already found out that he's already added to and taken away from the word of God. Let's go to essentially, I think it's the second to last verse. Well, it's Revelation 22, verse 18. It says, For I testify unto every man that at the words of the prophecy of this book, if any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. Now, that's all these cults do. Whether it's Jehovah's Witnesses, or these other various pseudo-Christian denominations. They're adding to the word of God. And when you do that, there's a promise in the book of Revelation that when you add to these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written into this book. And in verse 19, it gets a little more severe. It gets a lot more severe. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life. Well, that doesn't sound too good to me. And out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book, this is not something you want to go and do. You don't want to be... This is why I so heavily emphasize the Word of God in the King James Bible. Because it's not something you want to mess with. This is called the fear of God. You don't mess with it because you're afraid of God. And you love Him. And you you want to hurt Him. But this is, this is part of the fear of God. And the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. It's the beginning of understanding. It's the beginning of knowledge. The Bible says, The angel of the Lord encampeth around about them that fear Him. It's not a bad thing, but it's never hardly taught on in most churches. But this is done all the time by all these, these cults and, and pseudo-Christian religions. It's done all the time. They take away an attitude. The Mormons do the same thing. Seventh-day Adventists do the same thing. It's part and parcel of the cult. And here's another thing that I want to bring up right off the get-go. There's so many in the, quote, Christian movement today, particularly in the charismatic movement, that claim to have had God speak to them. Oh, God told me this. Trust me, I know I came out of the charismatic Pentecostal movement can't tell you how many times I had somebody come up to me and say, Oh, Brother Johnson, God spoke to me about you. You're going to do this and you're going to do that. And many times I would act on what they told me and never once was it ever right. Well, they hadn't heard from God. Well, they were speaking presumptuously on God's behalf. In Deuteronomy 18, it defines the test of a true prophet. And if they're really a true prophet hearing from God, what they're hearing is going to come to pass. The penalty for a false prophet in the Old Testament was death. So again, I don't think it's something I really want to mess with unless I know for sure I've heard from God and it lines up with the Word of God. But it makes them feel special in these types of things. There's so many people right now that are claiming that they've heard from God. I went into this, my little girl wanted me to take her into this ice cream store the other day um, over where we live. And there's this guy in there that's selling these books, and he owns the establishment. And it's called Prophet or Madman, this book he's selling. And I looked at the brochure advertising the book, and it's about like in 1996 that after these series of near-death experiences and unfortunate accidents, he had God physically talk to him. And God did so because he wanted to straighten mankind out on all these things that we had so messed up. So evidently, this guy's thinking he's hearing from God. It's all over the place. And then I went to look at the endorsements he got a, he got an endorsement from a local unitarian church my my little girl was begging me not to get into into an argument with the guy it's pointless you know and that's that's not you you have to pick and choose your venues as well but the bottom line is what is he doing with this book he's taking a lot of people to hell if if it be possible you know, it's, it, and again, I could just tell by reading the brochure, it's just this God is a God of love, and He accepts us all, and these types of things. we got all these things messed up. And what it primarily always boils down to is attacking the Word of God. Oh, I never really meant that, is what these spirits will tell them, these lying and deceitful spirits. It's part of the end-time delusion that God said He was going to send in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Shouldn't be any surprise to us. In fact, it should fire us up. Hey, it's Scripture being fulfilled! But that doesn't give you a right to mess with the Scripture. <laughs> okay? If you defend the God of the book, the God of the book will defend you. And I'm telling you, that's what we've got to do. We've got to earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered unto the saints. According to Jude 1. But there's so many people saying, God spoke to me. Well, let me tell you something. If you think God spoke to you, and it doesn't line up with the Word of God, He never spoke to you. But you know what spoke to you? A lying and deceitful spirit. Posing itself as God. Because this guy said it was God that spoke to him, that wrote this prophet or madman book. All these other people in the charismatic movement, particularly that movement, not to say that's the only one. God spoke to me. Well, you know what you ought to do, is if you know your Bible good enough, which most people don't, and most people read in perversion you know your Bible good enough, you just go and reference it right there. Does it line up with the Word of God? I'm not saying God can't speak to people. But people don't compare it to the Word of God, which is the standard. All these prophets and all these televangelists and all these charismatics and the cults and, and all the people in, in, in these types of movements, oh yeah, they're hearing from God all the time. The, you know what? This polygamous sect that just got busted out, these Mormons, that just got busted out in Texas. Oh, you know what? I kept—I watched a documentary on that the other night. It was, it was so sickening. It made me so mad. I couldn't even hardly see straight. Because of what they're doing to those little ones. How, they're, they're defiling them. They're bringing them up in this false religion. And they're teaching these women their salvation is achieved through being essentially married into this, into this situation where, you know... Uh, a a particular prophet might have 20 or 30 wives. And that's how they obtain their salvation. And that's their only purpose for being on earth, is to basically be like some type of brood mother that just, you know, churns out kids, and they take the girls, and at the age of sometimes 12 and 13 and 14, they're marrying them off to 50-year-old men. It's sickening. You know what else they're doing? This documentary I saw the other day, and I know I'm getting off track here, but I'm sorry. But they're taking these these girls, and they're... uh, Um, if they're really attractive and they're already married, a lot of times the prophet will come to the guy they're married to and say, oh, God spoke to me last night and said that you're supposed to divorce your wife because she needs to be married to me. It's all about perversion. That's all it is. So he can get, you know, whatever he wants. That's all it is. All of these prophets supposedly the same way in the Mormon Church and these and then Jehovah they all say they hear from God, even though what they're hearing 99.9 percent of the time contradicts the word of God. Nobody pays attention to that, which should be the first thing people are paying attention to. I've said it myself. If I say anything that doesn't line with the word of God, don't believe me. I'm not trying to hold them to a higher accountability than I'd hold myself. Just please be careful. Because God, if He was speaking to you, would never contradict His Word and give you some type of new revelation just for you that contradicts the Word of God. The Word of God is of no private interpretation, as the Bible says. Okay, And He's not going to go around giving some new revelation to somebody that contradicts the Word of God. Not to say He can't speak to you. But when He speaks to you, it's going to confirm the Word of God. Remember the Bible says to test the spirits to see if they be of God? Well, these are spirits. How do you test the spirits? It's easy compared to the Word of God. Well, I don't know. I haven't really read much of the Word of God. Well, then you better get into it. You better get into it and read it and know it. That way when these things come up, you'll be able to give an answer for the hope that is within you. As the Bible talks about. Remember the Bible says in 2 Timothy 2.15 Study to show thyself approved unto God a workman that needeth not to be ashamed rightly dividing the word of truth. I just get so sick of hearing all this. I'm hearing from God. I heard from God. You got New Agers saying they're hearing from God. You got witches saying they're hearing from God. You got Jehovah Witnesses and Mormons and Charismatics. and It's going to get worse and worse and worse as the lying and deceitful spirits are seducing these people. And they're going to give heed to these lying and seducing spirits. And as a result of this, the evil men and seducers are going to wax worse and worse, according to 2 Timothy 3.13. So anyway, let's go further. In the year 2000, the Watchtower Society claimed a worldwide membership of over 6 million. Now this is the year 2000, 6 million. About 1 million in the U.S. in more than 91,000 congregations in 235 countries speaking 340 languages. It takes in approximately 300,000 new members each year. According to Jehovah Witness statistics, yearly proselytizing is accomplished via a 4.8 million home Bible studies and a 1.2 billion hours of witnessing. I wish the Christian church took their religion as seriously as the Jehovah Witnesses do. Now, they do it for their own, it's kind of like their twisted version of the fear of God. You know, they do it believing that they're earning their salvation this way. Or, like, the Mormon women believe, you know, I've got to be a polygamist married to this polygamist husband, this type of thing. Certain sex of them. But it's always, always, always about works. Earning your way wherever you're trying to get. And then getting welled up with pride because you're doing such a great job. You know, earning your way. All you're doing is... You don't got to earn your way to hell. You're already appointed there. You're not earning your way to anywhere. You're doing the devil's work. You're wasting your life. In the name of Jesus Christ, get out of that thing. The Bible says, He that judgeth the matter before he heareth it is a folly and a shame unto him. Proverbs 18, verse 13. So, if you're just starting to listen to this thing right now that I'm talking about, listen to the whole thing. Because if you've judged the matter before you've heard it, it's a folly and a shame unto you. And you know what? If your religion's so great, and so able, and so defensible, you shouldn't have any problem listening to me right now. None. You should should embrace the challenge. Do you know how many inquiries I get on a weekly basis where people come to me and sometimes they want to challenge me about this or that? I like it. I do. Because I have the word of God particularly, or documented facts to back me up, not my opinion. This religion is a religion based on opinion, on a cult, on a man's whim, on man-created doctrines, not doctrines of the Bible, but the doctrines of devils. And I'm going to prove it. Yearly proselytizing. Is accomplished via 4.8 million home Bible studies. What the Jehovah Witnesses are trained to do is to study their Bibles in a very calculated, manipulating way. And when they bring in people, they will take them to their pet scriptures in their New World, in their in their new um, New World Translation. And what they end up doing is they will try to selectively manipulate the person in these Bible studies particularly baby Christians it happened to me once when I was a baby Christian one of these guys got got his hooks into me and he really rocked me pretty hard now the Lord showed me the truth okay but it I'll tell you what they're good at what they do particularly the ones that really study their Bible they're not doing it because they're particularly they're trying to be holy they're doing it out of fear and out of trying to earn their way to wherever they're going. That's what they're why they're trying to do it. 1.2 billion hours of witnessing. They're the ones that knock on the doors, them and the Mormons. All of this time and effort so that this religion can take people to hell, bottom line, that's the end of every one of them if they embrace this doctrine that is sad that is sad but that's what we should fight against to have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness but to rather reprove them the jehovah witnesses field over 500,000 full and part-time missionaries 500,000 that's a lot of people instruction and training are provided for all jehovah witnesses at 5 meetings a week 5 meetings Hell, primarily in Kingdom Halls. Yes, it's a mass brainwashing tool. It's demonic. Don't bring their literature into your house. It's cursed. Don't bring them into your house. The Bible's very clear about that. I'm going to give you that verse a little bit later. Don't bring them into your house or bid them Godspeed. It's against the Bible. Don't do it. And if you're not... If you're a baby Christian, don't even try to contend with one of them. I'm telling you right now. You need to get off the milk and get into the meat of the word. And you'll have confidence at that point. The last one I contended with started bringing this stuff up to me. And I just, I cut right to the chase. I said, don't you have a publication called The Watchtower? Well, yeah. I said, hasn't, and at the time I had memorized a lot of the actual years. Why is it? And I asked her, isn't that thing supposedly angelically inspired by God? Well, yes. It's it's how, yeah. I said, okay, if it's angelically inspired and it's from God, why did it in this year, this year, this year, this year, this year, predict the end of the world and never came to pass? If it's from God, why didn't it get it right? Because in Deuteronomy 18, the test of a prophet, the test if you know it's from God, is if it comes to pass. Yet none of these dates came to pass. We're still here in the world. Oh, she got mad, boy. That was it. She stormed out. I was only pointing out the obvious. I had a guy email me this week on the C.S. Lewis, said all I gave was my opinion. I emailed him back. I said, what more can I give you? I gave you reference quote after reference quote from his own writings out of his own mouth. It was not my opinion. There was no bias to it. And I have no axe to grind other than that he's a heretic and needs to be exposed. Because the Bible says, Wherefore I beseech thee, brethren, mark them which cause division and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned, and avoid them, for they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. Romans 16, verse 17 and 18. That's all I was doing. He had no response to that. He said he played it for somebody in his Bible study, or this group of men in his Bible study, and, and they all agreed that I, was, I had an axe to grind or something. <laughs> hey listen, I'm quoting right from... I'm, I'm going to be talking today a lot about the Jehovah Witness thing straight from their teachings. Like I try to do every single week. That way you know it's not my opinion. I have actually facts to back up what I'm saying. So if we go further, every week an average of 45 new Jehovah Witness congregations are formed. In the year 2000, in the United States alone, it was reported 988,000 Jehovah Witnesses spent more than 181 million hours in field service. <clears throat> Door-to-door witnessing and Bible studies. I wonder what the stats would be for the average Christian in America doing the Lord's work. Hmm. Well, when it compared to this, but see, even though it's a cult, and the doctrines are ludicrous, because they're putting so much effort into it, they are getting results. Because they are of their father, the devil, and of his works they will do, and that, the devil is, is working through them to deceive the masses. Jehovah Witness leadership claims its victims by asserting itself to be the sole Christian religion. Most of them do. That are these pseudo-Christian spin-offs. And the authority on in its sole authority on earth today, as well as God's mouthpiece or prophet, even though they've had so many false prophecies it's not even funny. <laughs> and that right there tells me right alone they're not hearing from God. Remember Deuteronomy eighteen, the end of that. Just compare it to that. The Watchtower further disrupts families through its harsh interpretation of disfellowshipping and the practice of shunning. Now, let me say something here. This is more to keep these apostates from their religion away from the brainwashed Jehovah Witnesses in... Why do you think they have five days a week meeting? What they're trying to do is keep the apostates who might have saw the light, maybe they really got saved, maybe they really saw the, the lies at bare minimum within this cult, and they get out. Well, they they use this practice of disfellowshipping and shunning them in order to, um, you know, obviously try to make them feel ashamed, but it, I think it's more to keep these, these people that have come out of the religion away from the ones that are still in it, so that they can't influence the ones that are still in it. It's like, trust me, the Watchtower group would not want every Jehovah Witness on the planet to sit down and listen to this teaching today. They wouldn't want that. Because they, if everyone was, was basically said, okay, sit down and listen to this teaching today, there would be a mass exodus out of that cult. I really believe there would be. I'm not trying to elevate myself higher than one. I'm just saying, if they have the facts, I understand that there's a demonic component here. Okay, a huge demonic component. I would go so far as to say possession. Or, or at bare minimum, heavy oppression of these people that are caught up in this cult. But I do believe, and particularly if it was done with much prayer by the body of Christ behind it, if they were allowed to listen to this type of teaching, then I believe there would be. I believe God could use that. Not because I'm anything special, just because I know what God can do with the truth. So, family members who are former Jehovah Witnesses are labeled by the Watchtower adherents as apostates. And prevented from even social contact, disfellowshipped, or disassociated children, parents, or grandparents are kept from any type of communication with active members of the organization. Well, any really true good cult would do the same thing, right? Speaking tongue-in-cheek. Divorces are common within a sect when one member becomes disillusioned with the Watchtower teaching and mind-control. Not only has the name of this cult changed time and time again, but they change their doctrines regularly. Well, that's kind of funny because the Bible says, I am God, I changeth not. And that God is not the author of confusion. And that His word is forever settled in heaven. If His word is forever settled in heaven, huh, according to Psalm 119 verse 89, His word is forever settled in heaven, and he's God and he changeth not and he's not the author of confusion and then the bible says a double minded man is unstable in all the ways which god is not although this religion is why would they have to change their doctrines so much that proves right there that they're a lie that they're based on lies that they're of their father the devil between 1917 and 1928, they changed their doctrines 148 times. Wow, a double-minded man isn't stable in all his ways. We're going to look at some of the reasons why they did this. Prior to 1931, Jehovah Witnesses had gone by the names of the Millennial Dawn, People's Pulpit Association, the Brooklyn Tabernacle, and the International Bible Students Association. Russell died in 1916 and was replaced by the second president, Joseph F. Rutherford. A process of replacing Russell's writings with Rutherford's began in 1921 with the publication of Rutherford's Harp of God. Now again, if Charles Tass Russell's writings were so biblical and holy, even though they weren't, but if they were so right and true, why did they have to be replaced with Rutherford's? Cursed be the man, thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man, and make, make of flesh his arm, and whose heart departed from the Lord. See, if you're in this cult, you're trusting in a man. Because it's a man-made religion. Purely man-made. It has nothing to do with the Bible. It's just a perversion of the Bible. Just one of the many man-made heresy cults out there. Just one of the many... Between 1921 and 1941, Rutherford was to write 20 books and numerous pamphlets, which would slowly revise the doctrine and structure left to him by Russell. But but because they say they're hearing from God, they can say God's doing a different thing. That's their justification for everything, is this whole hearing from God thing. And again, if it doesn't line up with the word of God, they didn't hear from God. But that's never discussed. What ends up happening invariably is their writings end up taking precedent even in this case it's the New World Translation, okay? It ends up taking precedent over the Scripture because invariably it's going to contradict the Scripture. It's just like the Book of Mormon or the Pearl of Great Price in the Mormon religion takes precedence over the Bible. They have to because you got to pick a choose. You can't have it both ways. Especially when you have the invariable contradictions with the Word of God. One of Rutherford's books that caused a great amount of controversy was the seventh volume of the Studies of Scriptures. Russell adopted many of his doctrines from the Seventh-day Adventists. But the Jehovah Witnesses began to emphasize door-to-door evangelism and literature distribution after Russell's death and subsequent leadership assumption by Rutherford. The Jehovah Witnesses have published over 10 billion pieces of literature since 1928. Ten billion. Don't bring this stuff into your house. It's cursed. I'm telling you right now. I get the worst feeling when I look at their literature. I mean, I, I can just almost sense the, the demonic... It's just... There's something about it that's creepy. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but it, there's just something about it that's creepy to me. I don't know. I guarantee you it's It's demonic. Don't bring this stuff in your house. Let's go further. The Jehovah Witnesses have published over 10 billion pieces of literature since 1928. Its main periodicals are the Watchtower magazine, circulation of over 20 million, in more than 130 languages. Now remember, this is the one that supposedly angelically inspired writings by God, essentially, every month. So it's the mouthpiece of God. This is another way they brainwash their converts month to month. And their other magazine called Awake, which has about 16 million copies in more than 80 languages, both published. And here, let me tell you another thing they're doing right now. Um, I got this letter the other day from a Jehovah's Witness, and uh, it was hand, hand addressed to me and everything. She lived on a road nearby where I live. And it was this big thing inviting me to come out to the Kingdom Hall where they're going to celebrate Jesus Christ. And it was all about Jesus. And it was, it was, during, it was the, during the time of, of Ishtar, or Easter, the, the pagan holiday. And if you doubt that's a pagan holiday, please see my teaching on Easter. And they're going to celebrate the, the true meaning of Jesus. And it looked like this, this nice church function. Well, again, all the religions are trying to get on the same page and trying to play nice with one another right now. You're, you're seeing a big push for that. There's a lot of money that, that can be involved, too. They're not becoming so separatist anymore. We've got to have these denominational barriers broken down in order to have the one world religion of Antichrist. And, you know, all this, this drivel... And I wrote her back. And what I did is I copied and pasted a whole chapter out of the book, uh, Answers to My Jehovah Witnesses Friends. You can go up on chick.com. I think it's com. It's Chick Tracks. And you can download or read the whole book online, Answers to My Jehovah Witness Friends. And there's a whole chapter in there on what who do the Jehovah Witnesses believe Jesus is. I copied and pasted that thing and wrote a personal thing at the very, very thing. Put stamps on and it sent it to her. Now, you could do the same thing. You, we can do these type. This is why I have tracks with me all the time of, of chick tracks that have different religions. That you never know when you might be confronted. If I see somebody in a parking lot and they have one of those Masonic uh, badges on their car, I have these special tracks that I got from Chick, and it's it's on the Masons, and I put them in an envelope and I stamp it confidential and I put it under their windshield wiper. Um, these are just little things you can do. There's all kind of neat things you can do with tracks. You never know. You never know what God can do with something like that. And you're never going to really know the impact that you have until everything's said and done. And I'm not trying to bring glory to myself. I'm just saying these are little tricks you can do. But I sent that to her. And obviously I didn't get a response. But I, I, you never know. God may use that, eventually, to help her see the light. I hope he does. I don't want her to go to hell. I don't want any of these people to go to hell. It's a gigantic reason I do what I do so they don't go to hell. I know at one time I was in bondage before I got saved and I was on my way to hell. And I richly deserved it. And I know the Lord Jesus Christ saved me, pulled me out of the pit, saved my soul, and I praise the Lord for it. And I don't want to see other people go to hell. That's, you know, we, we need to do that. So if we go further, it says, Below are the highlights of what the Jehovah Witnesses believe concerning their source of authority. The Godhead, Christ, sin, salvation, heaven, hell, etc. Let's go through these one by one. Number one, their source of authority. Jehovah Witnesses claim that the Bible is their final authority, but Russell's writings, especially the studies in Scripture, are considered the light of the Scriptures. So see, this is just like the Catholic Church. We, the laity, the people in the, you know whatever within a particular religion, they're not qualified to be able to interpret scripture. No, 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 no. You have to have the priesthood to do that. And in this case, the Jehovah Witnesses say in order to interpret scripture, we need to have this this pagan heathen Russell guy interpret scripture for us. Whereas the Word of God says the word of God is of no private interpretation. And yet it's saying here that we have to have where does it say that in the Bible? That's contradictory to the Bible. And again, this is how most cults get started. So that's the, they consider that the light of the scriptures. Jehovah Witnesses have their own translation of the scriptures. The New World Translation, we mentioned that earlier, published in 1961, which reflects the binding interpretations of the group's leaders. The Jehovah Witnesses' New World Translation greatly perverts the scriptures... To avoid placing themselves under the judgment of God. Where does it pervert the scriptures? Here, in John 1.1. 1, 1, John 8.58. 8, in John, in 1 Timothy 2.6. In Acts 10.36. In Colossians 1.16-17. And Colossians 2.9-10. Now, I'm going to have this whole document up on a PDF file with this teaching. You can go up and read word for word essentially what I'm reading. You can check this out for yourself. Don't take my word for it, particularly if you're a Jehovah's Witness. Check out what I'm saying. I'm challenging you to check it out. If your religion is so defensible, then take my challenge. Come on, do it. You should be able to de- to, to to have no problem with with anyone like me. You should be able to just totally refute me in a heartbeat, right? Hence, the leader's interpretation of the Bible, not the Bible itself, is the final authority of the Jehovah Witnesses. The Watchtower magazine is one of the Jehovah Witnesses' main sources of doctrine and is considered authoritative by its members. Well, it's, it's like anything else. You've got to make a choice. Who, who Choose whom this day? Who are you going to serve? As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to go by the, the Word of God, not by some man, man's perverted interpretation of it. What do they believe about the Trinity? Jehovah's Witnesses believe that God is not a triune God, but only Jehovah God alone. Where, does, where do they believe that? Well, if you reference the source, let God be true, page 100-101. through 101, Everything that I'm talking about here is referenced, okay? I'm not giving my opinion. Even if you're a Jehovah's Witness, if you've never heard any of this, well, there's references in here. You can look this up for yourself. They teach that Trinitarianism is a belief in three gods, and thereby Satan-inspired polytheism. Rutherford wrote, "Sincere persons who want to be, who want to know the true God and serve Him, find it a bit difficult to love and worship a complicated, complicated, freakish-looking three-headed God. No, it's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Okay, it's not some complicated three-headed God. Where where did he say that quote? And again, in Let God Be True, Second Edition, 101, 102." I'm not going to, uh, from now on, I'm not going to talk about every reference quote. They're here. You can download the PDF and look them up, you know, for yourself. What do they believe about God the Father? He's known as Jehovah. The Watchtower consider, considers Him to be the only eternal true God, the Almighty, they write. There was, therefore, a time when Jehovah was alone in universal space. Well, Okay. But the Bible says in John 1, that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Well, who's the Word? Jesus Christ. I not know who the Word is. Jesus Christ is separate and distinct from God the Father. But it says, in the beginning was the Word. So you can do the math there on that one. What do they believe about Jesus Christ? Well, since Jehovah Witnesses do not believe in the Trinity, they also do not believe that Jesus is God in the flesh. Now, this one point alone we can just throw out our whole Bibles. There's no such thing as salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ with a Jehovah's Witness. Well that's all that's all Satan needs to get you to hell. They add the word other four times in Colossians one, sixteen and 17, teaching that Christ was God's first creation, the reincarnation of Michael, the archangel, created by Jehovah. That's what they believe. They believe Jesus Christ, when he came in the flesh, was the reincarnation of Michael, the archangel, created by Jehovah, rather than the Creator. I wanted to go to that place, I believe, where that Jehovah Witness a long, long time ago when I was a baby Christian took me in Scripture. Now again, understand, the Word of God is of no private interpretation. You have to take the Bible as a whole. Okay, it's not one little Scripture taken out of context, which is how the Jehovah Witnesses are trained. They're trained with a perverted Bible, and they're trained to to misinterpret what's even in that perverted Bible, in an unbiblical way. Now, one of the verses that, that... is in Daniel, the very book that they'll try to take you to to convince you uh, about Jesus not being who he says he is. I can go to Daniel 7 and go to verse 9, where it says, And I beheld till the thrones were cast down, and the Ancient of Days did sit, whose garment was white as snow, and the hair on his head was like pure wool, and his throne was like a fiery flame, and his wheels were as a burning fire. Now, this is God the Father, the Ancient of Days. The Ancient of Days is not Jesus Christ. I've heard that said before. It's not. I'm going to prove it. I'm going to prove it unequivocally. If we go further, um, let's just go, let's skip all the way to verse 13. And I saw the night visions, and beheld one like the Son of Man, came with the clouds of heaven, and came to the Ancient of Days. Two separate entities... If Jesus Christ was the Ancient of Days, how could he come to himself? It says the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven. And the Son of Man is referred to in Jesus as Jesus Christ many times. The Son of Man, especially in the New Testament, came with the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days and they brought near before him. The Ancient of Days, Father God, the Son of Man is Jesus Christ. That's one way you can prove that they're two separate entities. Let's go further. If we go to the book of Daniel... <clears throat> where, they're tra- where they'll try to take you to is verse 13, I believe, where it says, And the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me twenty-one days, but lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to me, and I remained there with the kings of Persia. Okay? Michael was one of the the main archangels that um, helped this particular... Um, <clears throat> Helped in this particular situation, okay? Then what they're going to do is they're going to take you to verse 21 of Daniel, which says, But I will show thee that that which is noted in Scripture of truth, that there is none that holdeth with me in these things but Michael your prince. So they say, well, Michael, see, Michael's your prince. He, he, he's your savior. He's. They make all these leaps of logics from that point. But it talks about here in verse thirteen, the prince of the kingdom of Persia, which was actually a demonic entity. It was a demonic force over the kingdom of Persia that had to be dealt with. That Michael, the good archangel, actually dealt with him. Okay, when it says Michael, your prince, he is a prince in a good way over a principality or territory. Michael, I believe, is is the chief archangel over the Jews, and Israel, and these types of things. It doesn't mean that he is the Prince of Peace and the Lord of Lords. It says Prince with a with a, with not a capital P. He's not the King of Kings, Lord of Lords. He's not the one we should worship. But they take this one little verse in Scripture and twist it into making you think that Jesus Christ is Michael. Pretty much a leap of logic, I'd say. But if you're a baby Christian with a perverted Bible like I had, had the, the living translation, oh man. I mean, they cuss in that Bible. I, you know, I was, I was toast with that guy. Plus, I was in his house. Don't go to their houses. We're talking a demonic problem. We're talking a demonic battle you're in here. You don't go to a Jehovah Witness houses with a perverted Bible as a baby Christian. Like I did. Okay, so I'm not judging anybody because I did it. And I got my clock cleaned. Rattled me pretty good. But you know what it did? From that point forward, after I got my eyes open, I vowed, that ain't, that's never going to happen to me again. A big reason I do what I do today. That was wh- where a lot of this started for me. I took that personally. Not because I wanted to see that guy go to hell, but he was trying to take me to hell. I took every bit of his literature, I took it back and put it in his mail. I didn't want any of his curses. Okay. I didn't go to his house anymore to do anymore. I was done. I cut it off. Cut it off. And that's what you should do too. But that's the kind of little tricks they play. Okay, now let's go to Colossians 1 12. So now remember, they're teaching here that God's first creation. The reincarnation of Michael, the archangel, which was created by Jehovah, that that's all Jesus Christ was. He was just a reincarnation of Michael, the archangel. When he came here in bodily form. That's what they teach. Okay? Now again, if that's the case, then we can just throw everything in our Bible out the door. Essentially. Because salvation is not through Jesus Christ alone. In their, in their version of it. Okay, so Colossians 1, let's start in verse 12 giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son, in whom we have redemption through His blood, through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, is how we get redeemed. It's very important you understand that. It's through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ And the Bible says that they overcame him, meaning the end time saints, by the blood of the Lamb, and the word of their testimony, and they loved their lives, not under the death. That's how the Antichrist is going to be overcome. The blood of the Lamb, the word of our testimonies, and that we loved our lives, not under the death. It says, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. This isn't Michael. (laughs) Come on. Verse 15. Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by Him were all things created. It says Jesus Christ created all things. That confirms John 1. That's the second witness there. But they don't believe that. They believe Jehovah. Jehovah God, Father God, created everything. And that Jesus wasn't even around. Jesus was actually Michael the archangel that was reincarnated into Jesus. That's what they believe and teach. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in the earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. What does that tell me? That he created all the angels too. Whether they be fallen or... They weren't fallen at one time. Remember, a third of the angels originally fell with Satan. When Satan was Lucifer, he was the anointed cherub that covereth. Covereth most likely the throne of God. He was good at that time. Jesus Christ created all of that. He's their creator too. That's how powerful Jesus Christ is. All things were created by Him and for Him. Did you realize we're created for Jesus Christ? We're not just created so we do our own thing. We're created for Him. And He is before all things, and by Him all things consist. Well, you would figure the Jehovah Witnesses on this portion of Scripture, they'd have to pervert their Bible in order to, to get around this one. I mean, this is not really helping their religion out any. Verse 18, and he is the head of the body. Oh, and if you have any doubts that the King James Bible is the Word of God, just email me, or or type in a keyword. What I'm doing right now in my sermons, just so you know, I'm going through every single sermon. I've got about 150 right now. Every every single teaching. And I am adding in keywords to every single teaching. So that if you want to know something about a given subject, let's say King James Bible, you go into my homepage on sermonaudio.com, and there's a little box, if you scroll down a little bit, little search box, it'll search my sermons, the both the titles and the keywords that I've already put in there, and you can type in any subject, and it'll find it for you. And if you want to hear some preaching on it, it'll it'll pop right up and it'll show you what sermons I talk about. That's going to really help, I think, a lot, with because there's only so much I can do answering people one-on-one. Um, and a lot of times I have PDF files attached to these sermons that Further give you more research that you can study. So, anyway, I just wanted to say that. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body and the church, who is the beginning and the firstborn from the dead, in all things he might have the preeminence. Jesus is preeminent. And by all by him all things consist. The universe. The angels, the good ones and the bad. Now granted, they made their own free will decision to fall. That wasn't Jesus Christ's fault. He gives everybody a free will, even the angels. Okay, so let's go further. So, what they do in that portion of Scripture... Particularly verse 16 and 17, the Jehovah Witnesses in their New World Translation, they add the word other four times, teaching that Christ was God's first creation, but was the reincarnation of Michael, the archangel, by Jehovah, rather than the creator. See, in order to justify their cult, they've got to change the word of God. They've got to add to it and take away. Very, And we read the warning in the Revelation, it's not something you want to do. Bible also talks about is is not adding or taking away, you know, lest God reprove you and you be found a liar. I don't want to curse on me because I added to or took away from the Word of God. I'm afraid of that. It's called the fear of God. I don't want to mess with, with the Word of God. The Watchtower teaches that Jehovah God created Michael, the archangel, before the foundation of the world. Michael was his only begotten son by virtue of the fact that he was the only creature directly created by Jehovah. It was this created Michael who became the Jehovah Witnesses Jesus. When he became, when, when he took on a bodily form and, you know. It was this created Michael who became the Jehovah Witnesses Jesus. Which is a denial of the of the eternality of Christ. Meaning, Jesus was only really a created being at the time of, I guess you would maybe say, conception of Mary. Jehovah Witnesses say that since actual conception took place, it appears that Jehovah God caused an ovum or an egg in Mary's womb to become fertile, accomplishing this by the transfer of the life of his firstborn son, Michael, the archangel, from the spirit realm to the earthly realm. And then he changed his name to Jesus Christ. That's insane. That, I mean, we're talking some serious leaps of logic. You can't prove it scripturally. Unbelievable. Talk about a heresy. Where does it say that last quote that I just talked about? It says it in Aid to Bible Understanding, page 920. It's a Jehovah Witness thing, I believe by um, Rutherford. Marvelously, here's another quote from one of their uh, books. Marvelously, Jehovah transferred the, the life force and the personality pattern of His firstborn heavenly son, Michael, to the womb of Mary. God's own active force, His Holy Spirit, safeguarded the development of the child in Mary's womb so that it was born as a perfect human. That's from the book Reasoning, page 255. Do you see how adding just one tiny word to the Word of God can totally corrupt the Word of God. Just one little tiny word. We're going to look at that in greater detail next. Because if we look at John 1.1, 1, 1, which we already quoted, they make the verse read, the Word was a God. No. John one one says, in the beginning the Word was, was God. Well, let's just read it. Let's just read it so I know exactly we're getting it straight from the Bible. I've already quoted it once, but in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. But what they do is they insert the word, they insert one tiny word, the tiniest word that you could insert, the letter A. It says, instead of saying, and the Word was God, this says, it says, and the Word was a God. A God. They add the word a, making the verse read the word was a God, which in essence makes the Jehovah Witnesses guilty of the same polytheism which they accuse the Trinitarians of. They say we're polytheistic if we believe in God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, but yet they believe in multiple gods. It's hypocritical. I'm not saying that we believe in polytheism. If if you believe in you know in the beginning, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Okay, but that's what they accuse us, and they're guilty of the very thing they accuse us of. That's called hypocrisy. Add not unto the word of God, lest you reprove thee, and thou be found a liar. And he'll add unto you the plagues in this book. What do they believe about the resurrection of Christ? Jehovah's Witnesses deny the bodily resurrection of Christ through their teaching that the body of Christ was annihilated by God and not risen. But rather, a new one was created three days after his death. See, they're just denying everything now. The body of Christ was annihilated by God and not risen. Man, that's dangerous stuff. But rather, a new one was created three days after his death. As if God couldn't do that. This they call the resurrection of Christ. Thus, Jesus was resurrected as a glorious spirit creature and does not now have a glorified physical body. Okay, if that was the case, how, how could he have went to the disciples and say, you know, touch me, these types of things. And they did, and he was had a physical body at that point. They're they're denying all that. Instead, they claim Jesus arose spiritually and only materialized at various times after His resurrection so that He could be seen alive. Where does it talk about this? In the Awake Magazine, 1973, 722, page 4. What do they believe about the Holy Spirit? Jehovah's Witnesses deny the deity of the third person of the Trinity as either God or a person. They claim the Holy Spirit is only an impersonal active force of Almighty God which moves His servants to do His will. Where does it say that? Well, I, again, I could quote all these. The, the, everything I'm talking about here is referenced from their stuff. They have written, but the Holy Spirit has no personal name. The reason for this is that the Holy Spirit is not an intelligent person. Whoa. That's some dangerous stuff there. I mean, I, I don't know if that would qualify as blaspheming in the Holy Spirit, but I'll tell you what, I, I wouldn't want to mess with it. <laughs> The Holy Spirit is not an intelligent person? Come on! It says, It is an impersonal, invisible active force that finds its source and reservoir in Jehovah God, and that He uses it to accomplish His will at even greater distances over light years of space. That's from page 269 of Let Your Name Be Sanctified. What do they believe about salvation? Jehovah's Witnesses claim everlasting life is a reward for doing the will of God and carrying out one's dedication. In other words, salvation is a reward for good works. Just like every other cult believes an unbiblical system in the world. I've already went over that. Jehovah's Witnesses are expected to spend five hours per week in door-to-door visitation, witnessing, and are responsible for selling 12 subscriptions to the Watchtower magazine each month. Not only is that making them lots of money, uh, but it's also doing the brainwashing thing for the people that would read this um, cultic material. They are also responsible for conducting a Bible study each month in their homes of their converts. According to Jehovah Witness theology, a person has one of three possible destinies. Number one, the anointed, or the 144,000, will be in heaven to reign with Jehovah God. The rest of the faithful Jehovah Witnesses, not the 144,000, will live forever on a paradise earth. Both of these classifications are determined to a great extent on the membership in the Watchtower organization, as well as going door-to-door spreading the message of the Watchtower. Those people who are not members of the Watchtower organization will be destroyed by Jehovah God and cease to exist. Oh, now that's hate speech. I don't know about that. There is no concept of eternal punishment or hell in the Watchtower theology. They also, and this is again, this is straight from the literature, It's all this is all referenced. It says they also believe that man will have a second chance after death to be saved. Oh, wow, great, you know, hey. Now I'm going to talk more about this 144,000 in a second. Let's talk about the next point. What do they believe about the body of Christ? Jehovah's Witnesses believe that the members of the spiritual body of Christ or the Christian congregation number only only 144,000. And we get this doctrine from Revelation 7, 4-8. Now we're going to read that in a second. Let's... Let's read this first, and then I'm going to go back to that. And we're going to see what the Bible says. We're not going to see what someone's opinion is. Let's just see what the Bible says about this. Most of those members of the body of Christ, this 144,000, are now deceased and are reigning with Jesus in heaven since 1918. Oh, shucks, we missed the boat. Anyone born after 1936 can't be in that number. Why? Because it's filled up. Hey, first come, first serve. Come on! You weren't on the boat, man. The remaining members, still on Earth, approximately 8,000, meaning that there's, I guess, some... Well, at least at the time, that that number's probably dwindled quite a bit. Um, these would be people born before 1936. At the, at the year of 2000, there was 8,000 of them left. Who are on the Earth still, are selected as the governing body, are known as the remnant. Oh, boy, that wouldn't put, puff you up with pride at all, No. No, but they're they're getting up there now. I mean, you gotta be born before 1936. But they're known as the remnant. They're part of the 144,000. Remember, the the train is full. No more. We can't we can't get anybody more on this train. And it says they are collectively known as Jehovah Witnesses as Jehovah God's channel of communication to men. They are the only ones born again. Oh man! Wow. They're the only ones born again and they're the only ones who have a hope of going to heaven. What rank blasphemous heresy. The rest of Jehovah Witness faithful only hope to be worthy enough to inherit the earth. Oh boy. And will never see Jesus or Michael nor will they ever go to heaven. All of so-called Christendom will be destroyed at Armageddon. This kind of make you angry a little bit as a Christian, considering this is so incredibly unbiblical, and purely based on satanic doctrine of devils. Now what is what does the Bible say about the 144,000? <clears throat> I can't tell you how many emails I've got lately, where this woman or that guy or whatever says they're a prophet, and says that they're going to be one of the two witnesses in Revelation. Oh, I can't tell you how many people are claiming to be one of the two witnesses of Revelation. I mean, the only way they could all be right is if they tag teamed. I mean, one, you know, they went. I'm just being facetious here, but it's ridiculous. Let's see what the Bible says about the twelve, about the 144,000. Notice that the twelve tribes of Israel are mentioned specifically by name during the tribulation and are identified as Jewish male virgins. 12,000 from each tribe. In Revelation 7, 3-8 and in Revelation 14, 1-4. So this could not apply to Christians that did not meet these specific criteria. So unless you are a Jewish male virgin now and essentially I think you would, you would need to know what tribe you're in you cannot be one of the 144,000. Sorry. The Jehovah Witnesses have made this leap of logic to say that, oh, we, we, we're the 144,000. You know, these cults, it's always about pride. It really is. It always goes back to pride in, 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 in making you feel like you're something special. And you're one of the chosen ones in these types of things. You know, if we all got what we deserve, we'd all get hell and death. I know that's the case with me. That's all I deserve. The Bible talks about considering the pit from which you were dug from. You, you, need to, you need to maintain humility. And if you don't feel humility, if you feel puffed up with pride that you're saved, you need to ask God for humility. Because that shouldn't be something, I mean, we need to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling, it says. The Bible says in Revelation 7.3, it says, "Say, saying, hurt not the earth, neither the sea nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of God in their foreheads. And I heard the number of them which were sealed, and they were sealed in 144,000 of all the tribes of the children of Israel. And then it goes through one by one from Revelation 7 to Revelation uh, 7.5 to Revelation 7.8 of all the tribes that were sealed. Judah, Reuben, Gad, Manasseh, Simeon, Asser, Levi, Issachar, Zabulon, Joseph, Benjamin. And then it says in verse, uh, then let's go to Revelation 14.1. Okay, let's get more specific. Well, who were these ones that were sealed? We know they were 12,000 from each tribe, but who were they? Well, here it says it right here in the Bible. Okay, and I looked, and lo, a lamb stood on Mount Zion, and with him 144,000, Mount Zion in Jerusalem, and with him 144,000, having his father's name written in their foreheads. So we know these are the same ones that they were just talking about in Revelation 7. 14.2. Revelation 14.2. And I heard a voice from heaven as a voice of many waters and as a voice of a great thunder and I heard the voice of harpers harping with their harps and they sung it as it were a new song before the throne and the four beasts and the elders and no man could learn the song but the 144,000 which were redeemed from the earth. Revelation 4.4. 14.4. This is the key. And these are they which were not defiled with women for they are virgins these are they which follow the lamb whithersoever he whithersoever he goeth these are the redeemed among men being the first fruits unto God and to the lamb i got no chance of being part of the 144000 i am not a jewish male virgin I, i'm not jewish i'm not i am male not a virgin Unless you meet those criteria, you have no hope in being in the 144,000. Oh, yeah, but I have people argue with me. Oh, yeah, but the, you know, why are you arguing with me? Pride. Just believe what the Bible says. It's very clear. What do they believe about soul sleep? Jehovah's Witnesses deny the immortality of the soul. They do not believe the soul can exist apart from the body. Well, that's a pretty scary thought. <laughs> And then a corpse remains in an unconscious state in the grave, waiting for the resurrection. Whereas the Bible says, absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. The Bible talks about when the rich man, when he died and he, and he woke up and he was in hell and he lifted up his eyes, being in torments and in this flame where there's no water. That happened instantly. Okay? What do they believe believe about the annihilation of the wicked? Well, Jehovah's Witnesses teach that the second death is annihilation, extinction, and that the wicked will cease to exist, and they will not suffer everlasting torment. They will not suffer everlasting torment. They just will cease to exist. They claim that a doctrine of a burning hell is wholly unscriptural, unreasonable, and contrary to God's love. Well, now, Oprah would approve of that. I think we could find a little common ground there with her, them and Oprah, and all the new other New Agers. And it's repugnant to justice. Why? Because man doesn't like it. But remember, God's ways are not our ways. His ways are higher than our ways, and He is a just God. And it's His rule book we got to go by. Not our own. They claim that hell is the grave. What do they believe about Prophecy. Well, they believe that the Bible lists six identifying marks of a false prophet. Any one of which is sufficient for identification. Number one, through signs and wonders they lead astray after false gods. I don't know how many signs and wonders they've tried to purport, but they they are sure leading astray after false gods. Regardless of if they're using signs and wonders or not. They believe their prophecies... um... Okay, the Bible lists... Six identifying marks for false prophets. Any one of these is sufficient for identification. Through lying signs and wonders, they lead astray after false gods. That's from Deuteronomy 1-4. through 4. Okay. Number two, the prophecies don't come to pass. Well, we already talked about that. It's Deuteronomy 18. Well, we've already, we've already looked at some of the, prophet, uh, the uh, prophecies that have not come to pass. We're going to look at a lot more of those in, in a minute here. Number three, they contradict God's words. Well, We've already looked at, I don't know how many things already that contradict God's words. Number four, they bear bad fruit. Well, that's all the Jehovah's Witnesses do. What is their fruit? Their fruit is getting you involved in this cult, which ultimately is going to take you to hell. If that's not bad fruit, I don't know what is. Number five, men speak well of them. I don't know how much that is going on, but it's happening more and more. Number six, they deny that Jesus is the, is the one and only Christ and has come once and for all in the flesh. Well, you know they've done that. They call Jesus essentially reincarnated version of Michael the Archangel. Thereby denying his sufficiency in all matters of life and godliness. Most cults are founded upon false prophecies. Which, if pointed out, offer an effective way to open blind eyes and rescue the occultists. The cultists See, if all the the Jehovah Witnesses were exposed to the lies that have been perpetuated on them, there would be a certain percentage that would flee. Now remember, it's more than just exposing the lies. It's, we battle not against flesh and blood, but against princes, principalities, rules of wickedness, these people are basically demon-possessed, to a certain extent. And the demonic component, even if they're shown truth, will many times overrule logic... And they'll still stay in that thing. That's why prayer needs to really be coupled with witnessing to these people. Because just truth by itself will not work. The preaching of the cross to them that are perishing, that is foolishness to them. Remember, the prince of the world is blind in their eyes that they do not see these types of things. So, it's more to it than just showing them Truth. Russell's false prophecies formed the basis for what became the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society and the Jehovah's Witnesses. Russell declared the Second Coming had taken place, ostensibly, on October 1874. Russell said this. Charles Taze Russell, the founder. He said the Second Coming had taken place invisibly? In 1874? And then, that the Lord was truly present. And then in 1914, the faithful the 144,000, would be translated to heaven and the wicked would be destroyed. Well, that sure didn't occur. See, if you have a Jehovah Witness come to you, this is a quick way you can cut right to the chase. Hey, if your religion's of God, why is it... And Deuteronomy 18 says that, you know, this is how you predict a who's a true prophet and who's not. And you had all these false prophecies. Why would I ever want to follow your, your religion? It's a farce. It's a fake. You can't get it right even a little bit of the time. Armageddon, he predicted Armageddon, which would begin in 1874, would accumulate in 1914. Well, I think we know that didn't happen. And what would happen in 1914? A complete overthrow of the Earth's rulers and the end of the world. (laughs) Oh boy, that was a doozy. That's what happens with most of these cults. I think it's great, because it just shows them to be the charlatans that they are. Now, every time this has happened, there's been a mass exodus out of the Jehovah Witnesses. So, guess what? They finally wised up and they stopped doing it. <clears throat> With Charles Taze Russell still on earth, he died in 1916. Well, his, his little heart was probably broken after 1914 when the world didn't end and Armageddon didn't occur. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> In the 1920s, Jehovah Witnesses zealously distributed on the streets and from door to door a book titled, Millions Now Living Will Never Die. This was in the 1920s, okay? It was prophesied in this book, in the year 1925, is a date definitely and clearly marked in scripture, even more clearly than that of the 1914. <laughs> Which nothing ever happened then, that we may confidently expect that 1925 will mark the return of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all the faithful prophets of old. So, in 1925, they said that uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all the faithful prophets of old, they're gonna they're gonna make a second appearance here. And why? To condition to the condition of human perfection. In other words, they're going to come back and they're going to be perfect. Where was that said? It was said in this booklet entitled, Millions Now Living Will Never Die, The Watchtower, um, 715, 1924, page 89. Again, I'm not making this stuff up. The Jehovah Witnesses even built a house in San Diego where the patriarchs were to live and tried to deed it to King David. The house was sold in nineteen fifty four, quietly. Oh, I I can't imagine why they wouldn't make a lot of fanfare of selling the house. Hey look, this is this is a testament monument to our false prophecies, one of the many. Oh man. In the nineteen forties, Jehovah Witnesses were declaring that Armageddon was only months away again. <laughs> it would end World War Two. And then they would defeat the Nazis, and they would usher in the rule of God on Earth. They predicted that in the Watchtower, <clears throat> 12, 1941. December 1941. Their book, Children, that's what their book's called, Children, suggested that plans to marry and have children to be postponed until after Armageddon. Yeah, it's been a long wait. So hasn't happened. But not giving up, they later prophesied that God's millennial kingdom would commence in 1975. Oh boy, got that one again too. Wrong again too. You know, the millennium, the thousand year reign of Christ on earth, yeah. Oh boy. Again, Jehovah's Witnesses were told not to engage in any plans for this world, including marriage and having children. Many quit their jobs, sold their homes, and dedicated themselves from going door to door. That The source of that is the Berean call. March of 1997. All in all, the Watchtower has predicted the end of the world in the following years. 1914, 1918, 1925, 1975, and 1989. And that's what I brought up to this lady that was trying to witness to me. If... The Watchtower is the voice of God and supposedly angelically inspired every month. Why has this very same publication predicted wrongly the end of the world in the years 1914, 1918, 1925, 1975, and 1989? And that's just a few of the false prophecies. Why have they changed their doctrines so many times? If it's of God, it's not going to change. Right? Remember, I am God, I change not. Well, just some things to think about. I'm going to go ahead and go to part two here on our expose on the Jehovah Witnesses.